Shabbat Shalom. I'm, uh, I've given it my own title, Wheeling and Dealing. This week's parasha is Vayetze, meaning, and he went forth. As we just read, Jacob flees from Beersheba to escape the wrath of his brother Esau, and he makes the 500-plus mile journey back to Haran, the very place from which Abraham had departed many years earlier. There, Jacob will stay with his maternal uncle Laban. It's temporary, of course. Jacob will return to Canaan, the land promised to Abraham's descendants through Isaac and Jacob. Meanwhile, however, Jacob had some unfinished business with God and with family. As is the pattern in Genesis, you have a crisis bringing about a God-intended separation. In the previous generation, Ishmael was sent away as God confirmed the covenant through Isaac. Now the conflict between Jacob and Esau will again serve God's purposes as we follow that ever-narrowing focus on the family line that will one day lead us to Messiah. Soon after leaving Beersheba, it was probably twilight of the third day, Jacob stopped for the night in the town of Luz, about 60 miles north of Beersheba. God appeared to him in a dream. We heard about that. Jacob saw a ladder or a staircase spanning the gap between earth and heaven. Angels were going up and down on it. And Adonai stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the land on which you are lying, I am giving to you and your descendants. Jacob was still right in the midst of Canaan, so we are to understand that God was reaffirming that land promise to Jacob and his descendants. God further promised to watch over him and to bring him back to the land and that in his descendants, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Jacob awoke, awestruck as he realized that God was there. So he consecrated and renamed the place Beit El, Bethel, the house of God. He swore an oath to be faithful to God if indeed God would keep him safe and return him home. He also promised to give God a tenth of all that came his way. (laughs) Now, Jacob didn't know it at the time, but a lot was going to come his way. (laughs) Uh, He would eventually become wealthy. But he still had a lot to learn about the character of God. God doesn't break his promises. The problem is usually our own lack of faith or trust. Jacob had resorted more than once to trickery. But as they say, what goes around comes around. Jacob arrived in Haran. He saw Rachel and was smitten. He agreed to work seven years for his uncle Laban in exchange for Rachel, gaining Rachel as a wife. Seven years. But he's in love. So it seemed like a few days. The time flew by. But on that wedding night, customarily wearing a heavy veil, and in the darkness of his tent was not Rachel, but Leah, Laban's older daughter. 
Jacob woke up the next morning to find out he'd just gotten a taste of his own medicine. Remember, he pretended to be Esau. Furious, he confronted Laban, who offered to give him Rachel as a wife also at the end of one week's time, if Jacob would agree to serve him another seven years. He agreed. And one week later, Jacob was the husband of two wives. Chapters 29 and 30 narrate the fierce competition for Jacob's affections by Leah and Rachel and the sons born to him through his wives and their maids who became his concubines. Within this parasha, Jacob fathers 11 sons and a daughter, but only one of them, Joseph, was born to Rachel directly. Years later, she will die giving birth to Benjamin, and these 12 become the forebears of the tribes of Israel. But in all this time, Leah remained unloved by her husband. During those years, Jacob's presence brought great prosperity to Laban. Remember, God promised to be with Jacob and to bless him. God kept his promise. Laban's flocks flourished. At one point, Jacob sought to return home, but Laban urged him to stay, asking what it would take to keep him on. Jacob asked to be allowed to go through the flock, and to keep all the speckled, spotted, and black sheep, and the spotted and speckled goats. Well, in ancient Syria, which is where this is taking place, sheep were predominantly white and goats predominantly black. Through God's blessing and a little ingenuity in animal husbandry, Jacob caused more and more spotted and speckled and black sheep to be born. His flocks grew while Laban's flocks diminished. Laban became angry, and Jacob once again faces a crisis that will lead to a separation. God appeared to him, to Jacob, and instructed him to leave immediately. Jacob took his wives, children, and flocks and left without a word to Laban. Well, Laban caught up with Jacob a few days later, but not before God appeared to Laban in a dream, warning him to be careful how he spoke to Jacob. And this was gracious. Remember, God had said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. So it was gracious of God to warn Laban to watch his words. When he caught up with Jacob, he questioned him about the deception and asked about some household idols that had coincidentally disappeared. Jacob knows nothing about this, but we're told that Rachel had taken them and hidden them in her tent. Laban never finds them, and he and Jacob part ways after making a covenant. Now, this agreement between Jacob and Laban was not born out of friendship, but distrust. After kissing his daughters goodbye, Laban returned home, and Jacob's family resumed their long schlep back to the promised land of Canaan. Let me share a few things that we can take away from Parashah Vayetze. The dream Jacob had in Beit El, that stairway bridging earth and heaven, that was Messiah. Yeshua 
said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jacob was privileged to see just a little tiny glimmer, to get just a little foretaste of the Messiah who was to come. Yeshua declared that he himself is the one who bridges that infinite gap between fallen humanity and an infinitely holy and just God. That's great news for anyone who hopes to be reconciled to God. Another lesson concerns husbands. Gentlemen, are you listening? It's awful to see the struggle that Leah went through, yearning for a little love and affirmation from her husband. So let me echo the words of Rabbi Paul. Husbands, love your wives. They will either blossom like an exquisite flower or wither away, and it's all on you. No pressure. (laughs) Finally, you reap what you sow. If you practice deception and trickery, don't be surprised when it comes back to bite you. Trust that God will do what he promises. And by the way, he doesn't need your help to fulfill his promises. Don't force things and certainly don't employ trickery or coercion. Adonai expects us to be people of integrity. Amen?